Welcome to a crash course update on the short-term rental market, courtesy of my friend Alex Haler of, of AirDNA. Market forecasts, regulatory debacles, we cover it all. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is the Real Estate of Things. You're listening to the Real Estate of Things podcast. Alex, thank you for joining, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dalton. Absolutely. So very excited about today's episode. We've had uh, a couple of episodes lately about short-term rentals, and you know you're the you're the short-term rental data guru. You know, you're a strategic account executive at AirDNA. Uh, anything data related to short-term rentals, you guys are the go-to. Uh, so I'm excited to to jump in here. Yeah, likewise. Uh, yeah, happy happy to have the discussion. There's there's a lot going on in the industry, so uh, you know, interesting time to be watching it. Yeah, so let's we'll we'll start high level, and then we'll get more and more granular. So rolling into 2022, uh, record revenue, right for short term rentals. Uh, a lot of you know you could say a lot of headwinds coming up. Uh, travel, everything, but travel included in that bucket of everything is more expensive than seems ever before. Uh, so, so what's, you know, would you say bullish or bearish on, you know, call it the back half of 22 and rolling into 23 uh, in terms of short-term rentals? Yeah. I mean, all signs point to a pretty bullish industry in the short-term rental space. I mean, we're seeing demand nights way up this summer compared with last summer. Um, we're seeing a return to international travel and travel to urban areas and suburban areas. Um, obviously, the pandemic was a huge disruptor for the industry. If you remember back in you know, like March 2020, there were a bunch of articles that came out saying, you know, is this the end of Airbnb? You know, is this the end of short-term rentals? And then just a couple of quick months later, all the destination markets out there, whether you're in the mountains, on the coast, by national parks, they just absolutely exploded in both occupancy, ADR, and supply. And so it's been interesting in 2022 so far is you're seeing a lot of those type of markets sort of go back closer to their to their average before the pandemic. And you're seeing a pretty huge uptick in urban areas, suburban areas, and international travel. Um, so it's just been kind of really interesting to watch how travel trends have have swung with all the different, you know, COVID considerations and restrictions that are out there. Yeah, you, you shared over a deck from AirDNA and I was cruising through and one slide I stopped on and it was interesting, talked about the most booked um, cities in the country and for the 4th of July weekend for 2022. And I, I was surprised at kind of the um, the cities that were listed there. I think Orlando was number one. Myrtle Beach was number three. Uh, just interesting cities. And what do you what do you pull from that um, slide whenever you look at it and see the types of cities that are the most booked? Yeah, I think you know, especially when you're looking at it from a year over year standpoint, and you think back to 2021 when you know vaccines were were becoming more more widely used uh you know you had different considerations and lockdowns what we're seeing now is that 
a lot of those places are seeing a big return to travel with them. I mean, a lot of the urban areas have had just huge year over year occupancy increases and demand increases. A lot of that was because they were essentially, you know, ghost towns are shut down more or less during the pandemic. And so a lot of that, you're just sort of seeing those open up. Um, but then also there's, you know, I, I would say just sort of a new travel trend in the short-term rental industry where a lot of people decided that, you know, a short-term rental, a single family home was going to be safer and have less contact with, you know, the public or strangers than a hotel would. And so there's just been increasing demand for, for short-term rentals over the past couple of years. And, you know, we're seeing that through this summer. I mean, we're, we're seeing demand nights up quite a bit overall. Um, supplies up even more, though. So, I mean, it throws in some some weird calculations when you look at overall occupancy and everything. But, I mean, all, all around, the, the market looks really, really strong in pretty much every category. Uh, rural, urban, suburban, mountains, coasts. I mean, demand is more or less up in every single area this summer. Yeah, so so good coverage on demand, and you mentioned supply. So let's move over to that piece, right? And you and I were chatting a little bit, and uh, saturation, right? Like that's uh, an interesting move here. And whenever you look at it from the financing side of, uh, of the fence, right? Like short-term rentals, the financing of short-term rentals is something that you know on my side of the fence, from a lender standpoint, it's just become more and more of a requested product. That talk, that speaks to the demand piece, but how has supply been? It's been growing at a pretty incredible clip the past couple of years. Um, one interesting stat, I was just talking with uh, Jamie Lane, our VP of research before this, just asking for, for some of the June numbers, which, which we haven't published yet, but he, he did have the figures ready for me. So year over year in June, occupancy is actually down 9% from where it was in 2021. And so just looking at that one stat, you're thinking, oh, is, you know, is the short-term rental industry struggling? Are things slowing down? Once you look a little bit deeper, though, you see that demand was actually up 16% year over year. The reason occupancy went down, though, is because the supply is up 26% year over year. So you're having just an incredible amount of new supply added. I think, you know, we've been averaging 80,000 new short-term rental listings uh, coming online for the past, you know, four or five, six months. And so supply is growing just at a much faster pace than demand. And so when you look at the the overall numbers after that, it can almost look like occupancy is down and the industry is struggling. It's just that so many people are interested in this space that, that, that's that's where the real uh, occupancy downtrend is going towards. So, I mean, you know, when you're looking at, you know, on your side of the fence, financing a short-term rental, or if you're a real estate investor or someone who wants to get into this space, that's going to be one of your primary considerations is, you know, is occupancy in this area going up? Is it going down? Is it staying flat? What's happening with supply? Obviously, there's a huge risk of investing into an oversaturated market because not only will that lower your occupancy and lower your rates, but if too many of the homes in a particular area become short-term rentals and you know there becomes a housing crunch in that area, your odds of regulation and restrictions are also going to go up as well. So 
while there's still a lot of good opportunities out there, you know, there's just, I would say the, the increase in supply just makes it that much more important to look at the data and make smart, informed decisions on where a good long-term position is. Not to not to beat you up over data, but are there any markets that you know of offhand that are uh, trending more quickly towards the oversupply arena? Yeah, I would say a lot of them that you saw do exceptionally well during COVID are the ones that look to be a little saturated, where you're seeing occupancy slide more than the rest of the overall market. Um, I, I have a, a couple of short-term rentals myself um, in, in the mountains here in Colorado. And that, that's a market in particular where I would say that occupancy is, is going down more so than the, than the overall uh, average as a country. Reason being is, you know, during COVID, a lot of people wanted to go to the mountains. A lot of them ended up purchasing places in the mountains. And so the amount of supply over demand that happened in the mountains is just way, way higher than a lot of like the suburban and urban areas, which a lot of those areas saw supply being pretty flat. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's going to be specific case by case, market to market, but I would say a lot of the markets that did really, really well and had explosive growth during COVID are the ones that are looking a little saturated and a little heavy on, on the amount of short-term rental listings out there. Yeah, uh, when I think about short-term rentals, and you have kind of that inherent risk of kind of oversaturation, but you also have generally the ability to reposition that asset to a long-term rental, like like in a in a worst-case scenario. Uh, so you know, from a safety and security standpoint, it's like if you believe in the underlying collateral, which is a piece of property, a piece of real estate, um, you know, you're not. Not necessarily locked into a short-term rental strategy, uh, and that I guess that kind of ties into the next thing I want to touch on, uh, which is regulation. Right, that's something from the lending side that uh, probably one of the biggest pains in the tail is that regulations are so disparate. Uh, it's not a you know, state or federal level; it's just each. Um, you know, each municipality, some counties, but it's, it's so disparate and it can change uh, just overnight. Right. And you can have massive consequences uh, just completely out of the blue. And so how, you know, how do you navigate those waters and what have you seen lately from a regulatory standpoint uh, popping off? Yeah, I would say, it's a topic of discussion in pretty much every city or county municipality that has a big portion of short-term rentals. You know, on one hand, they provide tourism and tax dollars to areas. You know, a lot of these people are on vacation. They're going out to eat. They're doing all the activities. So, like, they're generally much more active when they're there. And so that's the positive side of it. There's great tax revenue benefits local job benefits. Uh, the flip side of that, of course, is that, you know, as as a country, we haven't been building nearly enough housing supply for the amount of demand that's out there. So in a lot of markets that are out there, there's a housing shortage. And that's a huge consideration for short-term rental regulation, where if a town sees that 
too much of their housing stock is becoming short-term rentals, they're pretty likely to look at that seriously and, and make regulations to sort of stop the growth, main, you know, sort of uh, equalize the growth, whatever you want to call it. And it's just, it's, it's going to be totally dependent area to area. And like you said, I mean, they're just, they're very uh, spread out as far as, you know, one town might have this regulation and then a couple miles over, there's a totally different regulation. Um, so it's, it's changing fast. It's oftentimes hard to track because again, it's not something that is appearing on a state announcement or a nationwide announcement. It's something that you generally have to find on like a local city or county website. And so, you know, if you're looking to buy a short-term rental, I mean, obviously that's going to be a really important part of your due diligence process. And I mean, more often than not, if you can't find updated info on their, on the uh, municipality's website, you've got to just pick up the phone and call them and ask, you know, Hey, what are the existing regulations and rules? And also is it a current discussion that's going on with the planning and zoning team or the, the city council? Um, because we've seen just a ton of them pop up. Uh, we, we as a company, AirDNA, went to uh, VRMA a couple months ago in Chicago. Uh, it's a Vacation Rental Manager Association uh, trade show. And that was probably the number one topic of discussion on a lot of the panels. It's just how regulation's evolving, how it's changing, how to prepare for it, you know, what to consider. And I think you made a really good point that you always want to have sort of like a backup plan or almost perform like a litmus test of like, if this home that I'm buying cannot be a short-term rental, can I at least cover all my expenses or a bulk of my expenses as a long-term renter or as, as a long-term rental? So, I mean, you always kind of want to look at, you know, a, a second or third scenario just to, just to protect yourself and to protect your, your investment. Yeah, definitely. On the on the lending side of the fence, that's how we view it. And I know because like, a private lending industry, that's that's always a check the box. It's like worst case, if this has to be repositioned to a long-term rental, does this make sense? Just because you know, the ground shifts beneath one's feet, you know, depending on where you are geographically constantly. And are there any... Uh, can you paint in broad strokes? Like, are there any regions or areas that are like super friendly to short-term rentals or the opposite that are just like absolutely terrors when it comes to regulating? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, so the, the ones that are incredibly restrictive, I think are going to be pretty heavily localized. Like for example, um, one of, one of my personal short-term rentals is in Joshua Tree, California. And that's a market where there's virtually no hotel presence in that area. So for tourism purposes, the town and the county basically rely on short-term rentals there. So they're, they're pretty open and pretty willing to take new short-term rentals. But if you drive two hours west to Los Angeles, it's going to be an incredibly restrictive market. So where regulation is is bad versus good or restrictive versus not is it's going to be just heavily localized depending on like the the city and the and the local climate. Um, there have been a few states that have passed laws basically protecting property owners' rights. Excuse me, um to to operate short-term rentals. Um, Florida is generally a pretty friendly state towards them. Um, Arizona, 
Tennessee are a couple of others that I think have statewide laws that sort of limit the amount of restriction that places can impose on on property owners. Um, but again, I think even those markets, there's going to be certain pockets that are that are more restrictive than others. But as a whole, I think the southern part of the country tends to be more more open to uh, to the short term rental space. And again, a lot of the places in Florida uh, and Arizona and others in Texas, I mean, they're tourism towns that sort of rely purely on tourism revenue coming in. So they're they're very open to uh, having reasonable regulations on short term rentals. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah. What uh, any you know? We talked about regulations. You have just kind of broad economic uh, headwinds. Are there any kind of scary beasts out there on the short term rental side? We talked about saturation, potential oversupply. Uh, I, I guess this is still relatively, still relatively early, right? Like short term rentals, still kind of in the infancy growth wise uh so this push towards uh you know a drastically increasing supply probably not all that terribly surprising it's probably expected uh do you see kind of a supply normalization uh from a timeline perspective like do you think that uh we're going to be not under supply not oversupply but kind of at supply in 12 months 24 months any reading of the tea leaves there? Yeah, I think honestly, like 12 to 24 months sounds like a pretty reasonable time frame. I mean, right now, I think the the excitement in the industry is that in a lot of these tourism heavy markets, you can generally earn more of a more of an income and higher revenue as a short term rental than you can as a long term rental. But obviously, with you know just general supply and demand. Uh, you know, basic economics, once supply hits a certain point, and there's, you know, there's so many of these rentals in a particular area, it's going to normalize and the, the outsized returns you can get within short term rentals will sort of come closer in line with the with the normal rental. Um, so so when that happens in a lot of places, I'm, I'm not totally sure, you know, on the time frame of that, uh, I would say we're already starting to see the market sort of equalize itself with, you know, just how how much uh, supply is being added. You're, you're seeing that in the occupancy numbers and the overall revenue numbers. I mean, they're they're starting to equalize a little bit in some of those really saturated markets. So, you know, our, our research team is looking at it closely and watching the trends, but I would say we've already started to see it happen. Um, but when it like fully stabilizes, I mean, that's that's a really good question with, you know, the potential looming recession, uh, rise in interest rates. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of different factors out there that are affecting the broader real estate market that make it kind of difficult to, to predict exactly when that'll happen. Yeah. Any, anything's a guess right now. And I don't, I don't even know if you'd say educated guess, a quasi educated guess, anything um, real estate related, just so many variables moving at such a rapid pace right now. Uh, more uncertainty than at least any of my short time frame, but seven years in the the mortgage space. Uh, look, Alex, thank you so much for carving out some time, giving a little crash course on where we are and where we're looking ahead in the short term rental space. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime as the uh, as the market continues to evolve.
Absolutely. Uh, if you want to learn more, uh, Alex, uh, where should people go? Who should they reach out to? Yeah. Uh, so our website is airdna.co. Um, so from there, you can, I mean, essentially type in any market in the country, get some, you know, sort of free high level information on what the market looks like. And of course, you know, we have a paid subscription for every market as well, where you can get much deeper information on there. Um, and we have a, a team of really sharp people keeping a close eye on this. So we're always posting, you know, market outlooks and updates and keeping a really close eye on the industry. We're essentially tracking every single listing in the world on a daily basis to watch how they're performing, how they're trending and what's going on in the space. So, you know, reach out and uh, get in touch with us if you if you want to learn more or have, have any other questions. Yeah, I've uh, I've used the platform before the the platform, the data behind it. Uh, it's super intuitive, incredibly helpful, really plug and play and, and can't, uh, yeah. If you have an interest in short-term rental, if you're poking around in an area considering it, or if you have a short-term rental, uh, absolutely an advocate of linking up with air DNA, just a great product you all have. Yeah. Appreciate that, Dalton. Thanks again, Alex. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to get you back on here for an update. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common-sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team, and that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.